Siam Nisalich. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are at the Children of the Setting Sun podcast, uh, Friends and Relatives Radio Hour. Today we have uh, respected leaders and elders from our uh, relative nations across the water on uh, Vancouver Island, uh, Ray Harris and Wayne Charlie, who introduced themselves in their uh, traditional names as well as English and share with us a little bit of uh, their experience here at Lummi and the Lummi Stamish Water Festival, all those years of paddling and coming and today supporting our youth in this life way and maybe perhaps share what needs uh, to be done to carry on this way of life for those that are listening today so that they can teach their kids in a good way. Oh, hi, I just want to take this opportunity to express gratitude to our family for the invitation. You know, we're always blessed when we're called upon to share a few words, especially for the youth. Big and special time for the youth to absorb, take in what we have to share. And what I what I am going to share is 13 years of experience in championship on singles, doubles, 11-man, 6-man, mixed double, an opportunity to skip some women's um, 11. I started off as a spear, became a single paddle champ, and then we started going into double. My brother Arvid and I, 13 years of championship, and uh, 13 years plus lifetime of training right from when I first started I had my grandmother gave me introduction on how to train you know work hard in life you study hard you read the water when you're out in the water you read the sky and the sky will tell you what what the week's gonna bring and we dug our own gardens all by shovel turned in the dirt we always had potatoes we had carrots we had um, raspberries, we had strawberries, everything that you needed. We jarred everything from peaches, pears, plums, cherries. You know, we worked really hard. Oh, my grandmother was one of the last ladies in Cowichan to fish dip net, gaff hook. And I did the spearing at times, but we only selected the male. Um, doggies at that time we caught all the male doggies that we needed for the for the winter or we smoked them and stashed them away we only took a few females we wanted the females to go up and we treasured the fish that was given to us and oh it's one of the great gifts the lord has brought down to us the creator spends much time with our elders and sharing every avenue of life. I was fortunate when I was raised by my grandmother. I learned how to wash wool, tease wool, card it, spin it, make sweaters. Then I learned how to carve, got into paddling. 
and I finished paddling and got into mass carving, rattle carving, sharing teachings with youth. You know, they're, they're our strength, they're our foundation. So if we mold them in a good way, give them proper guidance, the proper diet, the training, being courteous to all, all relatives they meet, it's a big medicine. So I just wanted to share that little bit of what, where I came from, from Kwamatsin, and thanking you for this opportunity. Heights up, it will see them. Children of the setting sun, I want to just uh, express uh, who I am. I'm, my name is Ray Harris from Shell Beach, one of the villages of the Chiminas people. I really um, appreciate this time. Uh, I see a sign out there, it said 72nd year for the Stomish. And uh, I'm 71, so it, it's an honor to be here. I came here every year I could uh, as a paddler, as a fan. Now I'm, I'm a sponsor for my kids. I have grandkids here, great-grandkids pulling here. I have a daughter here pulling. I have a son here pulling. And, and I'm so proud that their kid, children are following the ways that we followed our parents' ways. In our time here, we came here to compete and be with the people. We, our canoe was the mermaid, a famous canoe. We won here lots of times. And uh, we had a little village of Shell Beach at the time and we pulled, put together a real handsome looking crew. Uh, it was a good crew, bunch of handsome guys. And we. We turned the world upside down from the canoe pulling world, and we had just a wonderful time pulling here. I could say, and I believe this truly, that canoe pulling has set the stage, set the stage for my life. We got out of our villages. It was a, like the first time we traveled anywhere was to canoe racing. We got to meet people. We got to meet people from all the different nations, admire their, admire what they do. I had some admiration for the different tribes we met, how they were setting themselves up. And it affected us how we are today. I believe that so much. I always appreciate you when I come to this part and when the Coast Salish people meet. And I'm so proud of that. And, it, and to me, it started with the, the comp competition we had. The, it was hard as ever, but when the, when the gun went off, we we're back to being uh, friends again, and uh, friends and relatives. And I see that today, especially with the uh, kids that are out here paddling and, tr and uh, competing. I love this canoe race business, and uh, I hope it, and this, I really appreciate it. it's getting stronger and stronger. It had a slowdown for a while, but now it's coming back uh, with, uh, in, with the inclusion of the children from 10 and up or whatever it is. Like, just so cute. So, I'm saying thank you. I'm saying thank you. It's a big work what you're doing, and but it's also good to do. Thank you so much.
One final, maybe one memory of Stamish. One memory of Stamish. Then, then you gotta go to Sla yeah. Sahal. Maybe tell the folks where you're going. You're going to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> his, I should say this uh, Wayne and his team won the Bone Game tournament last year. So he's trying to get back to it. It started already. He's the defending champ of the Bone Game tournament. And their prize was $10,000. Whoa. Yeah. I'm going to follow him around after. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd like to share one story. This is the first place here in Lummi-Stamish where I got to skip the women's canoe as a youngster, a teenager. And uh, my brother Arvid set me out on the canoe and says, you're skipping the women's. I said, okay, fine. When I got on the canoe, it was a whole different feeling from sitting in the front because that's where I sat the most of my life on the canoe as strokesman. And when I got on the skipper's seat, I was amazed how, how that canoe came to life and started to move on its own with the individuals in front, how that canoe wakes up and has a spirit of its own, just took off and started wandering. It was like riding a bucking bronco. and You gotta get control of it and maintain that control once you wake up that canoe, it really comes to life. So I always have that memory, fond memory in my heart. My first, first time skipping here in Lummi Stamish. It was a great, great experience. And uh, I hope many youth get to enjoy that kind of experience and how that canoe really does come to life if you look after it really well, train yourself in a good way. You'll know, be very humble, be very courteous to the paddles, to the canoes, to your coach, to your parents, grandparents, any elders within the village and other villages. Thank you very much. So I got to kind of brag a little bit when I, my fond memory, there was uh, 20 or 30 canoes, 32 canoes here and we're number 28 on the outside. And the tide was running, bucking, we're bucking tide. Our canoe was famous for a fast start. Three switches and we're in the lead guaranteed so we faked the start we everybody watched us and our skipper said we're gonna don't you guys go we're faking we're just gonna get everybody excited so we faked a few starts and finally we sat in there and gun went off instead of taking off we held it we let the bunch go and we came inside before we got to the first turn, we're ahead, but we came in to get the go with the eddy, because uh -huh. it was bucking tide so hard out there. Yeah. And yeah. that was so amazing when we came across those canoes, the power of all those other canoes. But he, he, the skipper was pretty good. He sheared it so, like a, he sheared it so it, we weren't really fighting it, and it, it pushed us in, in the shore and, and gave us momentum as we came clear. We were full speed. I know, so it was, it was such an amazing feat. That, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it was in the heyday of the competition of the canoe, where, where you never know who was going to be ruling the roost. Yeah, anyway, that's my 
My brag story. That's awesome. This is Children of the Setting Sun Productions podcast. And thank you, Ray Harris and Wayne Charlie, for joining us today at the 72nd Lummistamish Water Festival. Uh, and it was a wonderful meal. Yeah, thank good you. meal. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Good audience. Yeah. 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 Longtime paddler, uh, champion paddler, uh, amongst other things that he's done, uh, chief for his tribe and uh, leader in his community, and um, I think has always come to Stomach ever since he was a young man. And uh, maybe he can share with us today uh, his uh, his memory of Stomach, uh, his uh, life as a canoe paddler, and those things that are really important for us as uh, Coast Salish people to carry on so good morning Wayne maybe you can introduce yourself and uh, say uh, something about uh, canoe pulling and what it what it means to you good morning thanks uh, Darrow I went in memories of past it's been somewhat of a a full life story my parents raised us uh, and they a lot of people around our area called us beach kids because we lived right down the beach, paddled, swam. We'd done everything there. <clears throat> our first experience as paddling, my I guess, is uh, started with um, some of my relatives in Pocketon. and Then from there I went to a uh, race with... Uh, Lady Esther, Manny Cooper's canoe. That was uh, the start of something that really gave us real teaching and real understanding of what life was about. We listened to our elders that, that told us what we needed to understand in the way of our lives and discipline and cultural the cultural part of canoe racing. A lot of people that I see nowadays forget the, the important part of, of canoe racing. It wasn't just a, a sport. It was it derived from history of our people. As I heard it in the past from our elders, one of our elders that left, he told me, he says, it was not racing. It was a, a means of real war. And when people came into our area, they came in on canoes and warred with our people. They warred and killed a lot of our own people. When they left, they took, took the women of our community and our elders of past figured out a way to try and bring those ladies back and those children. So they made a smaller version of a, 
what's considered a war canoe. And it was faster, so they could catch up to those people that took our people. And then they warred and got a hold of our own people and brought them back home. That's the story that was told to me. That's where this war canoe racing started from. Right now, when you watch it and when you see things happen, it's more of a sport now. It hasn't. It's lost that that image of war, and it's something that that's changed in in the times that I remember, <clears throat> because everything there was no real rules. It was an understanding amongst one another how far to go, because there was there was respect amongst one another. Everything that happened in the water stayed in the water, and that's where it was supposed to stay. We've had many, many battles amongst one another out there, and when we come back to shore, we forget about it. The, the elders that we knew said, leave everything out on the water. Don't take it back to shore. Once you hit the beach, you forget. <clears throat> That's the respect for one another. The discipline, the courage enough to understand what we have to do. We've done a lot of things to one another as relatives because we are still all related. That's something that goes a long ways in our own people's history. And our, our elders made sure we understood what that meant. We used everything to our own advantage. The water, we had to watch the water to see where the movement was. We had to watch what canoes were doing. The canoes, if they were, if they were doing things that we could use to our advantage, we used it. That was the thing that we did. And it was all considered a game at times. So it, it's strategy. <clears throat> and the historical part of it is, is something that people need to understand. If they don't try to figure that out, they don't understand where these races originated from. <clears throat> well, that's good. I hope that's what we can pass on through the, our, our conversation today. And maybe you can uh, uh, let us know, uh, uh, it was uh, mom and dad and how many brothers and what were their names? I think I know Leonard and Howie, but you have other brothers too, right, um, that were there's, on the canoe with you? There's Leonard, Howard, Bruce, and myself. The four of you. Yeah. Yeah. And then I got two sisters, Sylvia and Ivy. Uh-huh. And then Leonard was the stroke. Leonard was uh, my ball man, and yeah. I was the skipper. Yeah. How did that work? How did you guys kind of, like, communicate, or you just kind of do that instinctively, to how to move the water, move the canoe around the water? Or well, what, was that, uh, what was that like? Well, me and Leonard always talked to one another before we went out, and, and Leonard always, always understood what I needed and what I wanted. And the crew, not only that, but the crew had to be in sync, had to be like one. And when we talk about that crew that we're winning on for many years, we done everything together. 
we stayed together. We even in winter time when we come to big house it was all we were always the same. So it was like we were one big family. Mm-hmm. People didn't couldn't understand how we how we operated that way, but everybody was wanting to be a part of it as a family. So mm-hmm. that's how it took place. Mm-hmm. So thanks well, to my parents. Yeah, 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 they promoted <coughs> that, huh? Yep. Yeah. So the I think uh, Geronimo was. Uh, the canoe club that kind of started the idea of uh, training in singles. You guys trained in single man a lot. That's all we did. Hmm. Um, lots of people couldn't understand how we could win on the big canoe when all we did was train on single. I said it was kind of something that we were born with, hmm. so it was it was kind of natural. As long as everybody trained hard we all could keep in sync mm-hmm. and people couldn't understand that but it, but it was like a family deal it was there's nothing closer to that way that we ha- handled things mm-hmm. but like I said it was my parents that encouraged all of that they inspired all the paddlers that paddled with us to be want to be a part of what we were doing and then, then um, we're talking about the men's crew, but I, as I remember, I think the women's crew was just as successful and, and respected for how they did, too. Is that That's true. Um, people still talk about the days that, that uh, we won every race, not just 11 men or 11 women. We won, we won every race, and it was all due to the fact that our family considered themselves a family and we all understood that we had to train hard we all had the discipline to to be there and to to help one another that's all we did it it was handled in that same manner and we can't we're trying to make sure that the youngsters understand that but it's hard to to copy, they can't copy it because it's it was so different from what today is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of distractions today, but <clears throat> but I like uh, what I see uh, here walking on the beach and through the camps is that our the kids aren't uh, packing their cell phones around or their iPads. They're actually out in the water and they're playing on the beach, and that's kind of the first step, I think, you know and now we got our grandkids out there, right? And, yeah. and uh, that's what you're seeing. That's probably, probably where we can encourage us to go back to what you're talking about. Uh, they call it the old way. It's really just family teachings. You know? It is, yeah. Yeah, is that what you're seeing too in, in your in your uh, camp there? The kids are starting to put those things down and get back in the water. Yeah, I'm, I'm really, uh, I really feel good about the fact that. My granddaughter is. Thir- she just turned thirteen, and she's winning thirteen and under. That's my granddaughter, Madeline Morris. She's doing something that that uh, I'm so proud of. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's got the discipline for training. She comes down every day and trains, and it it's encouraging 
to see that these youngsters are are willing to do the same thing that we understand. Mm-hmm. So how that how how was that when you guys were winning? Then uh, you train every day, uh, like Monday. Tomorrow's Monday. You go back in the water. Then very next day, five days. Five days. Huh? Five days, and then we get to the race. Uh huh. And we our expectations were high every huh. time, even huh. when we came. If we came to a race short-handed, we'd just pick somebody up and we'd we'd still do well. Mm-hmm. But as long as that person was in shape, in the same condition that we figure would help us. That's how I think George Harris paddled, and he was from Shell Beach, right? Yeah. You picked him up, and that's just, he had to be in shape, though. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. So, uh, Geronimo... Was that a canoe made by your family, or is that a, a canoe we came from a different carver? Well, the the original Geronimo was made by uh, an elder. They, everybody called Hook, but his name was Anderson Tommy. Oh yeah. And that's uh, yeah. Our first win was here in Lummi. Really? With that canoe. Uh, how old were you? I was. Gee, I don't know. I can't remember now. <laughs> I'm I'm 65 now. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it was just like yesterday, though. I remember oh, that. Yeah. yeah. I think it was like uh, 1975, I think. 75? Yeah. And, and that was quite a run. You guys, I don't know how many years you guys won, but it was quite a run. When we got a hold of that canoe, and we used it here, we decided to try it. We used it here, and we won. The guys that that canoe came from, they came under my van, and we put it on top of my van. They came up, they looked at it, and they're looking up. What did you guys do to this canoe? We just patched it up and decided to try it out for, for the race. And he's, he says, we couldn't, we couldn't ride it. Hmm. We couldn't ride it. He said, we're always tipping over. And I said, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> huh. So they couldn't believe that we yeah. made it a champion canoe. Was it narrow or anything? Or no, banana? we never changed anything. Huh. It's one of the wider canoes. Hmm. So then, um, was the name Geronimo then, or did you guys change the name after you got it? No, or? we when we got it, we called it Geronimo. But uh, I think oh. it was Khalid number two, I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know you guys got into paddling so much that you even went to Hawaii in it. Did you guys race in Hawaii? Yeah, well, the... My personally, I went in 1978 with Arvid Charlie. Mm. He had a crew that went to race in that Molokai Channel race, 40 miles. Mm. And I was the only one from down the South Island that was part of that crew. And I was their skipper. Mm. But it was, um, I had to work to get at it because uh, it was half what people call Caucasian. And the rest are Indians. So I had to earn the respect of those guys that were already there. Mm-hmm. They didn't, I was like an addition to the crew. And the only way I gained their respect is we went to Couch and Bay and we used those um, recreational canoes as singles. Oh, yeah. And raced them across the bay and back. And I beat them also. <laughs> That's how I got there. That's how you got on there. Huh? So, you they, sk- so you skipped that canoe. And then too? I skipped that that race. So forty miles. Do you ever get off? 
I got off a couple of times, but not very long. Uh-huh. <clears throat> they didn't, I guess generally the steersman doesn't get off. Oh, yeah. But it's a heck of a race. Hmm. Ocean waves, huh? Oh, it's wicked. Hmm. But I then I, uh, in 83 and 84, I took Geronimo Canoe Club down there and raced. Mm-hmm. As our as our own crew, so we were a part of that race. Boy, that must have been fun. Oh, it was some of something of an experience. We never even thought about the heat. So when we got there the week before the race, we were trying to train like we do at home and run every day. Oh man, that took its toll on us because of the heat. Yeah, you go from seventy to ninety with. <laughs> 90 degree, 90 percent humidity. Yeah, it probably takes it out of you. What's your favorite memory of of Stomish? Whether it be eleven man or single man or women or men or. Oh, I always talk about the time. Uh, late, late Willie Jones was on, on his canoe, the Lady Rose. Yeah. And we were, we were short-handed, the women, because one of our girls was shopping in Bellingham and they had the 11 woman first and we we had to go shorthanded we took off and I was like oh no how are we going to beat these guys because they're ahead of us I don't know how to do it and I I was thinking how am I going to do it how are we going to do this I kept telling the girls we need to get moving girls and then uh, they <laughs> I, I figured out maybe if I start yelling as loud as I can, louder and louder and louder, it might change what's happening. So I did. I'd yell, then I'd yell louder, then I'd yell louder. And it seemed to get them all excited. And we started to catch them. <laughs> they started panicking yeah. a little bit, huh? Yeah. And they kept, really kept looking back and... We started getting closer, and then he says, bail out, bail out. So the girl starts bailing, and then we got right beside him, and Willie says, I told you to bail out. The girl says, bail what out? There was no water. <laughs> no, we passed him. Oh, my we God. We won the race. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that was fun. Just by the just by that voice just starting yeah. to cause a little bit of uh, n- no nervous no no yeah well cool. How about <laughs> men's race? Anything you remember about? Oh, I was I always remember racing you guys when you guys were out there. Yeah, that's what I was talking about when I was talking about that guy that I was talking with over uh-huh. there. Yeah, I said. Uh, what do you remember? Remember when you guys used to be beside us and bump me around? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I said, I said it was wasn't that. I said I'd look at George and where the hell are you going, George? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty funny. So I don't know where he's at anymore. Never see him. But um, I don't know. I guess maybe uh, maybe Wayne, you can give some advice to the young ones to. We look at these buckskins going out there. What uh, what kind of encouragement you can give them for what they're doing and how they can continue to keep our 
keep our way of life together, you know. Well, you know, it's encouraging to see the amount of youngsters that are out there because it, we needed to build up this cultural sport. And when we talk about cultural sport, there's a, a lot of information that our youngsters are missing. And like I said, it's become, it's becoming just a sport. It's not, mm. it's not the cultural part of it is, mm. is kind of lacking in it now. Mm. So we need to find that, that way to, to transfer the, the things that we understand as, el as people call us elders now, Daryl. Yeah. And I said, we need to transfer that info to those youngsters that, that are out there, that yeah. are learning. Because yeah. this is the time that they need to understand it. Yeah. And I hope that all the canoe clubs would start thinking about that same thing that I'm talking about. Hmm. Hmm. That's what we'll do then. And we'll get this together and we'll give you what's being said here. We'll put it all together and we'll share that with you. And you can put it in a school or put it in your families, wherever you want to do with it, you know. And that's what, that's what we're trying to do too is to oh, yeah, that's capture good. some of these stories because, uh, you know, um, people get so busy, they don't take the time to sit down like you're doing over there and sit down and talk to people, you know. So this is just kind of one of our ways to, to pass it on, you know. Oh, that's good. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Siam Nostalgia. Siam Nostalgia. I Scuchil. This is Daryl Hilaire, Satsumton, Son of Snat. And today we're at the 72nd Annual Lummi Stamish Water Festival. And we're here uh, talking to um, our respected uh, leader from the Nooksack Nation. Uh, Kevin Roberts, and he's going to share with us the history of canoe paddling on Lake Guatcom, those things that he remembers about his people uh, uh, carrying on the cultural sport of war canoe racing there, and those things that he sees today as uh, we still uh, practice our people's uh, way of life. First of all, thank you for the invitation. Ask me to share a little bit here today. Uh, I can only go back to when uh, the chief of the Lummi tribe, Don Lewis, he would come up our way and see my dad, ask him to paddle on his canoe. And at that time, they would train at Blow, um, Lake Whatcom. There was a marina there where they where we all gathered there and they would go there every day to train until the races started and we would train there my dad would and they become the champs on the lone wolf so it, it was really something for us as uh, children to to go there and watch our dad and it that's where we we really began to want to get on the canoe because we watched our dad become a canoe paddler. So all our life, that's what we wanted to do. So we <clears throat> we watched him at um, Lake Whatcom. That was in the early 60s. Then in the mid-70s on the south end of Lake Whatcom, uh, when we began to um, canoe train, that's where we went, down on the south end by Acme there. We went there. 
Then later on, uh, we moved to Blobel, Blodell, Lake Whatcom, and uh, us as um, young adults, now we have our children and our grandchildren, and I have one great-grand that is in the canoe now. So it's just a tradition that we're carrying on, and it all started from watching my dad uh, train, canoe train on the Lone Wolf. So this is uh, only far back as I can go, mm-hmm. but I just remember that um, when we were kids, we would find a board and a log, and we'd sit on that, and that was our canoe. So it was something that we wanted to do all our life, and now the dream come true, and we're handing it on down to my children, and he's handing it down to his children. And so right now we have four generations in the canoe, and uh, there's nothing more important than this time of the year when we come together as a family and we sit in the canoe and and we we train and we teach and we're we're trying to give them something healthy to do and we're trying to keep our culture alive so that's about all I got to share uh, what I remember and that's how we become canoe pullers here and uh, we only hope that it continues on. Uh, it, it started to die out, but we're trying to keep it alive. Mm-hmm. And we see that we see that here this weekend, where there's so many young children that are getting in the canoe. Some some are only three, four years old, and they're starting to get into our culture, mm-hmm. our culture way of life. So I uh, just thank you. Yeah, that's really beautiful, you know, and. Um the uh, Nooksack days up there at uh, Lake Watcom, that kind of kicked it all off for the canoe season, you know. And uh, I think it was uh, Sunday that a lot of the canoes showed up, and it was real competitive, and there was a lot of people, and it was good weather. And, you know, it's kind of neat that, you know, we we, uh, we get to claim some of our homeland when we go do these things, you know, and uh, bring bring the spirit of our ancestors back to these places that they they lived and they did different things, you know. Um, <clears throat> so you travel around now and, and, you, and you can feel that, I think, uh, the different places you go and how our old people used to get there, you know, it was by canoe. Now we take cars and trailers and, you know, you don't see, <laughs> it's real modern, but the spirit of it still lives on, you know, and, and I think that's why we're doing this. Um, so how's it going this year? Are you guys uh, going to go the whole canoe season or do you go over to canoe journey stuff too or how, no how does we, that work? we stay pretty much with our racing and we pretty much go all the way to nia bay end of the year end of the season and it's like they say bittersweet you know you're you're glad you made it through the whole summer in the canoe and then it's kind of sad to see it come to an end yeah and uh, once we do finish and we put our canoes away my grandkids are already asking when are we going to start canoe pulling and f- mm-hmm. they're looking forward to the next season. That's awesome. And then you hear that in the smokehouse, too. And Same it, thing. People talking about it when it's time to get Change in the water. Change over, yeah. Yeah, I remember one year we were so anxious that we went out and got the canoe water, and I'll be dang if it didn't start snowing. We said, oh, maybe it's a little bit too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've done that <laughs> coming off the canoe, and it's the ground is covered with snow, and it's middle of April. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah so. You got a question for Kevin? Yeah. Um, the, the things that um, 
Do people tell stories on the canoes as you're as you're paddling, or are you pretty much focused the whole time and the storytelling happens off? Usually, when we're on the canoe, we're focused on paddling, timing, and and all that. We put our mind only on on one thing, and that's the canoe, the paddle, the water. And then when we come ashore, before we put our canoes up for the night, then that's when we tell the stories and the, the teachings, and this is how I seen it. And that's when we, we are echo of our elders, and we just leave what we've seen and what we were told with the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren. So it's all pretty much once we get off the canoe, yeah. then we can go into the teachings. Most of them are are all race related, and like I say, the stories. If you read between the lines, it's it's giving you the teaching, and and sometimes you will tell our our paddlers, and they have to think about it, and then they'll come back the next night, and they'll say, Yeah, now I know what you mean. You know, and, and it goes to show that they want to learn and, and they're willing to learn. And that's the, the, the big thing now is that so many of our young kids are stuck to the TV, the phone, videos and all that. But this time of the year we get them out, out here and they get to be active and, yeah. and be in a, healthy, in a healthy way of life here. Because our, our teaching is we... No fast food, no junk food, no pop, nothing fried, and and we try to stick to that all summer long, and uh, and they, we just tell them, well, this is how it was, and this is how you're supposed to be, and most of them will, you know, walk away from all that. So I always say it's our healthy time of the year is now, yeah. where you know. So that's a big teaching. It's a category. very very big part of canoe pulling yeah I think Kevin's felt this I've felt it before in my time uh, paddling when we really do reach that place where everybody's thinking the same thing and they're feeling the same thing and the paddles hitting the water at the same time that the spirit come of the canoe come comes alive mm-hmm. the that. most beautiful thing is like when you get on the water and it's just glass and and the only waves are coming from your paddle and your canoe and it just so makes your mind so strong everything's so clean and pure at that time and that's where they say your healing comes from if you need healing that's where it comes from so just small little simple things like that little beads of water coming off your paddle and you see it rolling on the top of the smooth glass part of the water and it's just all them little small little things that add up and it makes you feel better but the real uh, best thing for us is especially when we get uh, retired from the canoe is watching the children, watching the other ones out there and doing that what we used to do and following what we're teaching them. So, you know, it's all about good sportsmanship and, yeah. that, and that's where it really counts. So for you as, as elders, you, you get your healing from that, continuing. Uh, 
there's there's so much that goes on throughout the day, you know, and you just come out here and there's no more stress. <laughs> Once you get in that canoe, you forget about all everything that happened all day long, the fast world that we live in today. And we get out there and we come off the canoe feeling refreshed. Sometimes we're sore and tired, but once we get on that canoe, there's nothing bothers us. We get out there and we go do what we have to do. So that Friday, Saturday, all the races that goes on, today we're still doing that on, on Sunday, but you just forget about all that. Once you get in that canoe and you start going, that adrenaline, adrenaline starts taking over and you don't feel no pain. <laughs> So Nooksuk's always had a really pretty special special relationship with Lummi. Uh, uh, in that you share a river. Like you have the upper part, Lummi's got the mouth down here. And, uh, did, how does that these days? How is it present uh, still? You know, just the that intrinsic closeness of pretty different peoples, right? Different families for the most part and stuff. Different language in some way too, right? Well, uh, one of the main things our elders always told us, it don't matter what part of the river we live on, we're all connected. We're all related in one way or another. And we, we've, we've always mixed our canoes, uh, our paddlers together and become one team become one one crew and that's true off the off the water on the land so they always say that we're related one way or another or you look far enough back on that family tree we become one so looking at my belly button this is mark nichols Filling in for Dare Hilaire, Children of the Setting Sun podcast. I'm with Penny Carroll Hilaire. And uh, we're at Stomish on Sunday. Just watched the championship. Just watched Marissa May take first. Can you give me first uh, kind of your impression of um, what you think must be going through the Recall Creed team's head? I believe that uh, it's always a blessing when you're humbled and I think remember losing uh, championship canoe races and knew that next week was going to be a uh, week full of training so I know they're looking at what they're going to do differently uh, in terms of how their girls are set they might have been too bow heavy to make that turn for some reason that tide took them for a reason maybe they weren't sitting in the positions they were supposed to and I'm thinking you know what kind of changes they made from Saturday to Sunday to make them be that because they're pretty uh, pretty uh, elite and uh, how they paddle and I just wonder what's going on in the skipper's mind and what what he was thinking he was doing wrong at that turn and why he went the they went the wrong way. Because mm. he calls it 
he basically... Yeah, he has to call it. He has to know as soon as when to start turning to go around that corner. And then as soon as he sees it, then he tells his girls, Bender, Bender. And so the girls get in there and they bend it. Mm. And then did they let up too soon and they took off that way? They should have held it maybe a little longer so their canoe was... Mm. In the current, better, but yeah, mm. he he's the one that's turning us and telling us what to get. He should have known the tide, and so I think it's really on the skipper and what he could have done differently for them. Mm. What do you think about the fact that I see him out there? He's been pulling now for three hours total, maybe this weekend. I mean, that's a lot of for one person. To be out there, isn't it? I mean, he's do, he does the eleven man, the singles, the ladies. I mean, he's he's working all weekend. Do you think he just is nonstop? I mean, indestructible kind of. Oh, your body craves for it. It's just like when you're in it, you don't even think about being tired. Uh, pulling for Lady Rose, we did the eleven woman, the six woman, the women's doubles, the mixed doubles. Hmm. And singles. And so your body's just craving for it. They're just craving for that next race, that next mm -hmm. adrenaline. So mm. you're not even thinking about uh, being tired. Hmm. So going back to when you started yourself in canoe stuff, tell me about the, how you got into it. I was playing baseball and traveling all over to tournaments and and my late mother she always wanted me to pull canoe and she was very good close friends with the uh, late Willie Jones who was the skipper of Lady Rose and so I just got tired of my mom bugging me to get on the canoe and so anyway, so I got on the canoe with three of my baseball buddies, and we ended up really liking it. And uh, we would get off the canoe practice and head to baseball practice. <laughs> All right, do baseball practice and head to canoe practice. So it was just back in the day, you're always just going all the time and I think that's what made us champs is that we were always doing something together not running 10 miles we were playing baseball together mm -hmm. you were saying that there's quite a, a you, you see a difference in the way things are today the way kids are around um, chores this and that talk about that a little bit uh, well when we when I first started pulling canoe, it was really easy for me because the I wasn't afraid to help out, set the table, or peel potatoes, or and so we all had chores at camp. And uh, nowadays, you know, people are living out of RVs instead of tents, so I guess it's more convenient for them. So I believe a lot of the kids don't have to do the chores as much. I believe there's, uh, I know there's, I seen a few kids drinking pop and drinking, we were never allowed to drink pop and eat sugar and we were very healthy and that was uh, the real benefits of having a championship crew because we were all doing the same thing, drinking water and 
not putting unhealthy foods in our body. And you were saying you weren't allowed to let the paddles touch the ground? Yeah, that's really disturbing for me because, you know, I mean, everybody has those uh, Hawaiian-style paddles now, or and we had paddles that were made out of the cedar, and they... Uh, we got to sand our own, and it was, the paddle was part of me, and and so we were taught never to lay your paddle on the ground. You take care of it, you know. You're, it's part. It's like one of your arms, and I used to even run with my paddle. Now I walk on the beach, and I see paddles laying on the beach on the gravel and thrown in back of trucks, and mm. I just thought that we took care of our our cedar better mm. but I'm not sure if it's made out of cedar anymore you know I never really looked at their paddles but they're not uh, it's not Salish sea paddles mm. what do you think this is kind of a deeper philosophical question but what do you think about the if if one asks you why is this important on a deeper level um, because here we're all, you know, sitting here, you know, being connected to the water and, and smelling the sea and the seaweed and watching the eagles. We all experience that here on land. And when we're in the canoe, it's just like you're part of that. You're part of the eagle. You're part of the water. You're, you're just like this living cedar just floating on top of the water. And so you're part of the whole. But here on beach, I feel like I'm looking at the beauty. And But when I'm out on the water, I get to be part of it. And... I would never experienced anything so beautiful than that. I remember we'd practice seven in the morning and I'd be so grumpy. Oh God, why do we have to practice so damn early? And then once I got on the water, it was just like, wow, this is a perfect way to start my day. And, and uh, there's four eagles flying over us one morning and I never just felt our canoe just like floating. Hmm. It's like we had a motor on, on our canoe. That's how powerful it was. And it's because we got to be part of. Mm-hmm. And so when you're out on the canoe, there's, it's unbelievable. And you're, it's just like everything is like you can't even hear the crowd. It's just like you're mm-hmm. on the water, just probably like how a fish or orca is going and they're feeling like part of. Mm-hmm. And that's when you're out in the canoe and you're headed for the finish line. You don't hear nothing. You don't see nothing. Mm-hmm. And then when that horn goes off or that b- before it used to be a gunshot, and it's just like, wow, you wake up. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow, okay, who won, you know? Yeah. So being, it seems like you might have answered kind of a big question for me is why culture is important in some ways is because you get to be not just observing something, but really part of it or participating in it. Yeah, it comes alive. You come alive when you're in the culture. 
in you the know culture. when you're in the culture. Right. Like when I see the little kids dance, mm. I get goosebumps. I get a lump in my throat, and I'm. I just remember being little and dancing, and uh, just how these kids don't need permission to be lummy. You know, it's so it's so scary how fast our lives are nowadays. And so this really brings everybody back home, being around the canoes and the mm -hmm. song and dance. And I guess the deeper question is, why is being back home, why is being, feeling part of it, why is that important? Do you know what I mean? The next level. Um, <laughs> because then you, for me, it's like I, uh, I'm today grateful that my late mother gave me that experience and that are the old people that paved the way of, you know, having this celebration for the World War II vets, you know, I mean, who would have thought, you know, back then they were so intelligent and so... Look at these people that build these canoes. I mean, it's it's physics. It's mm. you know, and uh, yeah. it's so it's like our ancestors left us a good thing, and uh, you know, it's just the way we're supposed to be living. Yeah. So it's partly the reason it's great to get this information is because. Um, it takes a specific thing of appreciating the physics of the past, the mathematical minds of the past. Um, means that we can do it too? Is that, or what, what's the most important part of that? You know, having that, that knowledge that, oh my gosh, I'm not the center of the universe. <laughs> right, right. But what, well, look, at it. it's a cedar tree on the water. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody's in sync. Yeah. It's like a Mercedes and a Beamer on the water. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. It has everybody has to be in the right seat. They have to have the right mm. stroke. Everybody has to be sitting to yeah. where the canoe is not feeling yeah. like it's being uh, dropped back in the water. Because mm. the goal is to get the canoe up mm. off the water and then keep it up. Because mm. you could tell when it's up on the water, they barely have to even touch the water. They're just keeping it up. And then when they say pull away, pull away, that means they're going to dig their paddles down and get her up more. Mm. Uh. Yeah. Physics. So somebody said that if the salmon weren't here, if the salmon didn't come, they would still go fishing. Can you talk about that for a second? Oh, yeah. Even though I know there's no fish, I still get butterflies to go fishing. Um, when I see people uh, out on the water, you know, I'm sitting there and just remember sitting at my net and just being lost, uh, being out in the water. and We weren't catching any fish, but it was just... Uh, just like I said before, just being connected and, yeah. you know, you're getting out of the fast life, getting out of the chaos. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you cannot help feel your ancestors mm. out on the water. Mm -hmm. 
I just see them, how happy they are today and mm. how they must be rejoicing that it's still going. Yeah. Yeah, the people that donated this land, I mean, yeah. what a gift to be able to have these races here. Yeah. I mean, who else would give up their land for something like this in Bellingham? <laughs> yeah. They'd probably have to be paid a million dollars for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's your maybe maybe I guess just finish off bit by maybe just talking about family how how what it, what this is here is more than a tribe it's like a construct of the government it's a it's a, a series of families interconnected yeah it's uh it's a bigger community where we're all connected and I think that when you're involved in you know other sports uh, there's hardly any connection because I've gone to baseball tournaments and it was always about the trophy but when you come here, it's about, like, I walk down the beach, hey, how's it going, hey, how's it going? And, and you know, everybody remembers me from pulling back in the days. And there's that mutual respect. And even though they don't probably remember my name, but I remember their face, you know, mm. oh, yeah, I know what crew you're on. And mm. so there's, there's a, a connection. And... Uh, there's a, a great joy of seeing each other mm. every year at this time of the year, all the canoe clubs. Even though you're not out in the canoe, you still get to see other people that are veterans that used to pull. Mm. And so there's still that connection, even though we don't see each other all year, but this time of the year. And so mm -hmm. keeps us connected. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, that's great. And I'm grateful for that because I think that the only other way we're connected is when we go to funerals. And I don't want to be connected that way, but <laughs> this is a great way to be connected. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been Children in the Setting Suns podcast, and we've had Penny Carol Hilaire talking about canoe racing, at war canoe racing at Lummi Stomish, 2018. Thanks a lot. Yep.